violence becomes more powerful than justice, and fear becomes more powerful than hope, and all the meanings have changed, and the hero will emerge. Everybody, you are listening and watching the We Are Rising podcast, Bloodsport Edition. I'm your host, Andrew Benjamin, and I am joined by my co-host, Jay Christian Gary from Focus Fights. Hey, y'all. How's it going? With us, we have Grizzly Kyle Jock. Jock will be taking on Eric Hammer at Josh Barnett's Bloodsport on October 11th. He's a former wrestler for WWE and is an NCAA All-American from Oregon State U. Go uh, Beavers, standing at 6'6", six 285 pounds. We have Grizzly Kyle Jock. Thank you so much for talking to us. We really appreciate your time. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, first question is, I gotta ask, pandemic hit? What have you been doing uh, during your time in lockdown, quarantine, uh, whatever you want to call it? Oh, I've been going crazy. It is the worst where I live in California because everything is closed off. I had a pretty decent, busy summer with shows and like I substitute teach so I was going to teach quite a bit and then when the pandemic hit nothing so I've been trying to stay as sane as possible but it's it wasn't easy this pandemic has been rough on me a lot of the guys that I know in California so the opportunity to do blood sport is the best thing on the planet for me right now actually spending upon that um uh, one of the things that's been affected is gyms um uh, places just where you can just train. I, I'm curious to know, uh, has the places where you were training at, were they at all affected? Did you have to like go start training at home or something like that? Well, it's funny because um, the high school that I helped coach and teach at, I had weight room keys, and I'd go there and work out and lift during the pandemic. Uh, one of my athletes that I coach, you know, he's going to college for wrestling on a full-ride scholarship, and I'm like, hey, Chris, here are the weight room keys. You know, just, just you, pal. Don't have anyone else going there. Just you get your own workouts in because you're going to college and you're going to be wrestling. He got him taken away from the head football coach. So that was a big crush to me because then it's like, well, great. Now I, now I don't have a place to work out. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of home gym workouts. I actually got into doing DDT yoga quite a bit just to do something. But, you know, it's been a long six, seven months uh, with not a lot of consistent working out. But... Now that things have lightened up quite a bit, um, gyms have opened up where I live. So in the past month, so I've been able to do quite a quite a bit since the to get ready for blood sport. But yeah, this pandemic, not a whole lot, man. It's been rough. Mm, so just tell us, uh, what are your thoughts on DDT yoga? I know that people love it. It helps a lot with flexibility, recovery. I don't know if it's a good tool for recovery. A lot of people say it is. I think it helps for flexibility and balance. Those are the, the two things that I get from it. A lot of people, when I was in uh, developmental for WWE, we had mandatory yoga classes for recovery for the guys that were performing and doing shows. I mean, it's. I think it's all preference. If it helps with recovery, I think it most importantly helps with balance and flexibility, which are two things you really do need to be a pro 
wrestler. So, yeah, mm. I, think, I think it works in a lot of ways. Actually, I, I just want to briefly touch on when you're in developmental. Now, as I mentioned before in the intro, you were uh, at Oregon State, uh, part of the uh, Beavers, uh, Oregon State Beavers wrestling team. Curious to know, was the training uh, when you were doing at or at OSU, was that harder or was that easier or on par of what they were doing when you are at uh, developmental? Nothing is harder than college wrestling. I don't care what anyone says. Nothing is harder than college wrestling. Uh, it's it's a whole different level. And I, I had Jim Zaleski as a coach kind of right when he had a big chip on his shoulder when he got let go from Iowa. Mm-hmm. So those weren't fun few years with Jim. He was a pretty intense guy. So nothing. I mean, sheesh, you asked me to go run five miles and then go run up Research Stadium 10, 12 times and then go wrestle three hours later. We did nothing like that. Pro and uh, developmental, but I mean, don't get me wrong, developmental—it's hard. Mm-hmm. It can be hard, but nothing competes with college wrestling. Mm-hmm. No way. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, just speaking of uh, your time at uh, OSU, now oh, to touch up on that particular. Sorry, Andrew, I'm sorry to interrupt, even though it's kind of my thing. But to touch up on that question, when it came to running the steps up and down the football stadium at Oregon State, did you ever feel like? You know, maybe if I could have picked a different sport, maybe if I could have been involved in college football, I wouldn't have to run off. I wouldn't have to run up these stadium steps as much as often. Uh, you know, I definitely considered it for sure. I just feel like my first love was wrestling, and despite whatever training or things I had to go through, that wasn't going to change. I was always going to wrestle, even if I was like I was a good football player in high school, just. I just felt like wrestling was more my avenue. Yeah. Uh, what, I see, I see. Andrew, you can continue. Yeah. Oh, yes, I was going to just ask uh, one of my last questions uh, about being at OSU. You were uh, on the team with, I think, I think you were on the team with Colby uh, Covington, is that correct? Yes, I was. What was it like being on the same wrestling team as him? I know, Christian, sorry, you're not a fan of Colby Covington. My... Forget, forgetting about all the stuff he said. Yeah, I, just, have my, I have my thoughts about Kobe Covington. I just <laughs> don't want to display them on this out of respect. Just curious to know, what was it just like being with him on the same team? I mean, I don't know. Obviously, it was different Kobe. I'm assuming different Kobe Covington then than now. But, like, just do you have any, uh, can you ha- have anything you could tell us if you remember about him? Uh, I remember a whole lot about Kobe. Um, you know, it's funny because. I was at one of his first fights when I was training in developmental in Florida. I got to watch him fight. I mean, it was an okay fight. He, he definitely, he's not the guy he was in college that he is now. I think, you know, he did some time with Impact. Mm-hmm. So I think he really embraced the idea of having a character, having a persona that people can either hate or love. Uh, I think he's more on the receiving end of the hate. But, you know, that's just what he's doing, man. And he's getting attention. Is it the right kind of attention? I don't know. In college, he was a really intense guy. That's for sure. I see more of his character when he's firing up in, like, the interviews after the fights. Like, when, if you go watch his interview with um, when Kamar Usman came on and talked to him after his fight with uh, Tyrone Woodley, 
that's kind of the more Colby Covington. That's the real Colby Covington to mm. me is more intense, saying curse words and stuff. Because, you know, like, we'd hung out, we'd party. You know, he, he was roommates with one of my best friends in college. So I know Colby really, really well. He's, he's an intense guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just, that's his personality. And, yeah, he was a, he was a cardio machine. Like, I feel like maybe at a, because he was, here's the thing. Colby was at Iowa, and then he had a really funky situation when he was at Iowa, and then he ended up going, I think, grades or something. He went to Iowa Central, wrestled at Iowa Central, the junior college, and then he transferred to Oregon State his um, junior and senior year. So I was only on the team with him for two years, but that's mm. that's enough to really get to know somebody, mm. especially with like the grind and stuff that we went through in college. But yeah, I can say he's an intense guy. I mean... Is it a persona? I think he kind of worked himself into a shoot with the whole, you know, MAGA stuff and mm-hmm. all that, you know, Trump and whatever. So, it, yeah, it's interesting how that all worked out. But like I said, he was on Impact. He, I think that's where he really started noticing that having a character, having something for people to attach to, that's where things picked up. Mm-hmm. So Now, let's talk I'm talking about your wrestling persona, the Grizzly. Kyle Jock. You know what's interesting is that even though you do have a persona, it's you don't. So whenever someone, whenever there's these wrestlers that have like a persona, they kind of wrestle to that persona. But you don't really do that. You you kind of still do. I see you incorporate stuff from like you. I see you incorporate double uh, double leg takedowns, single leg takedowns. It's almost. Uh, but yet. You're not like wrestling, I guess, like a grizzly, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? You know how like there'd be all, like a lot of old time wrestlers they go by like something, something they kind of wrestle with their name, the gimmicks, but you don't do that. And I kind of find that a little bit interesting. I think it depends. Yeah. Um, like right now, I'm not really not character anything. I'm just more or less myself. But like you put, if you have me cut a promo, or if you put me in an angle, and there's a like, for instance, I don't think I'm gonna be super grizzly cowjack wrestling eric hammer you know this this is more of a shoot style match you're gonna get more of what i was in college and pre-pro wrestling mm. which i'm excited for but i think it just depends on the company and the scenario it's more of a moniker with the whole grizzly cow jack i call myself the grizzly grappler and so that's part of the gimmick too uh, i just think it depends man i mean with my style if i keep pressure on somebody i do maul them like a bear in a sense so I guess it just it depends, you know, what whatever kind of matches you see. But yeah, I do implement a lot of, of my amateur stuff in pro wrestling because not a lot of guys do that. I mean, guys do a catch style wrestling, but I don't see a lot of guys that really do a pure amateur based style wrestling. I mean, there's a handful that do, but not too many. I mean, it, I had a conversation with a trainer uh, last year about how. You can do amateur style wrestling and pro wrestling, but you got to make it to where it's not boring. Because a lot of people think it's really if, if it's all you're doing is just that type of wrestling, it's it doesn't catch the eye as much as you know some people might think it will. So you kind of have to adjust, you know. So mm. yeah, it, the character of Grizzly Cowjack. I mean, it's all preference. You know, I don't really know if my character fits my pro wrestling style if it does or doesn't i mean it's, it's up to interpretation mm-hmm. actually speaking of, of up to interpretation and uh last year uh we asked uh the when we were interviewing for the, the wrestlers for blood sport um it came out um 
trying to remember the uh the wrestler who said it. Uh, Christian, uh, what was the name of the Impact wrestler who um, uh, the woman's um knockouts who would say it, the wrestling. Jordan Grace. Jordan Grace. Jordan yeah. Grace. Yeah. Well, Jordan Grace had uh she put out a post on Twitter saying that she considered wrestling more of an art than a sport. And so I just want to get your thoughts on what you consider pro wrestling. Not necessarily to agree or disagree with her, but what do you consider it? Do you consider it sport? Do you consider it art? Is it a little amalgamation of both? What are your thoughts overall? I think it's all preference. Some, like for example, blood sport is more as a sporting event. Mm-hmm. When like someone like Jordan Grace, who's on TV on Impact, maybe she sees it more as art because she's on TV, she's acting, you know, pre and post match with promos and monologues. I mean, if, in a sense, we are doing theater, and I've told people like. What does pro wrestling mean? I say, yeah, it's like theatrical fighting. Theater is an art, but fighting is a sport. So I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say it's sports entertainment. That's WWE. But if you want to be, I think pro wrestling is a competition. Yes, the outcome may be predetermined, but at the same time, things change in a match where it can be a, more of a sport. So I think it's more preference. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's just how I feel. You know, I'd run, in, in the sense. And this is something that I always, this is something that someone told me a long time ago, like, pro wrestling is an opinion. There's no facts in pro wrestling. It's all an opinion. Some people have a different opinion about it. Some people like it. Some people don't. Some people hate it. Some people love it. It's all an opinion. Mm-hmm. For opinion, it's an art. It's an art. In my opinion, it's more of a competition sporting event than it is because a lot of people get into pro wrestling. They just want to do it because they think it's fun. I love, I heard an interview with a wrestler and he said, you do this to be the best. And you're treating this to be the best than it is a competition. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I think. It's so funny because that's the complete polar, uh, when we talked to Eric Cameron last year, when we brought up that, uh, that, uh, that question, he was offended that he was actually considered an art. So if, if you're being a lot more diplomatic than he is, uh, than he was. So speaking of our Eric Cameron, let's talk about your match at Bloodsports. Uh, first time in Bloodsport, you, you'll be uh, uh, competing in. What are your thoughts when you got the call or the uh, text or whatever that be part of this? It's kind of a unique family to be to be invited to a Bloodsport show. You know, Bloodsport was, when I got into, uh, after developmental with WWE, when I got my go, I saw Bloodsport, and I just said, this is the one thing I want to do more than anything. I don't care about any of the super big indie shows. I think Bloodsport was like the top of my list because I love the concept of it. There's no ropes. It's more submission grappling base. There's knockouts. You can tap somebody out. You don't have to worry about the guy jumping off the rope or hitting the ropes or any of that nonsense. It's pure grappling, submission, wrestling. It's a shoot fight. Mm. I love it. I'm super excited because this is something right up my alley and having Bloodsport be a platform for me to kind of show what I can really do instead of just kind of fiddling around in these NorCal shows. To me, it's just a huge opportunity. And taking on a guy like Eric Hammer, who's done a lot of Bloodsports, and he's one of Barnett's guys. So to me, it's a test to see how well I can hang with someone who's done a lot of Bloodsports shows. Last year, he took on one of my good friends, J.R. Kratos. I asked Kratos for advice on how to take on someone like Eric Hammer. He just, hey, man, just go out there and do your best. It really, it really doesn't matter how you think you're going to do or not because this is up your alley. There, there should be no reason why you don't do great. And, you know, 
know, that's something I always appreciate what he said. Is this will this be your first pro wrestling match since the pandemic, or have you wrestled? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I. It's been my last match. I think was like March six. So, yeah, it's been like seven months since I've had a match. So, so this to me, it's like it's funny because this to me is like the bet the biggest show I've done. I've done some big stuff, but this show to me is like, for me personally, this is like the one I've always wanted to do. And it's just funny that instead of like a lot of people have momentum with shows, they do, a good, they do one show, they do another show, they do another show. Me, I just do a show, and then boom, I get to do the biggest show I've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I've had to wait seven months. So it, it's kind of, I don't know how to, I don't know how, what, what I want to use for it, but it's, it's, it's crazy. So. Mm-hmm. And it's ama- you can basically say it's amazing, Paul. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> it is amazing. And uh, so with, just give us your... But, oh. you know, speaking of which... Sorry, Christian, go ahead. I mean, I'm going to let you finish with the rest of your questions in a little bit, but speaking of which, considering the fact that you're going to be wrestling on this particular type of film for the first time, I just got to ask, going back to your developmental training with the WWE, how different do you think you know it is to wrestle a style that the WWE wants you to wrestle under rather than the style you want to wrestle under or that you're currently wrestling under? You know, that's a good question because when I first came to developmental I had no experience in the ring or pro wrestling whatsoever. So the whole time trying to learn what they want to do i was i started learning their style i didn't just go you know it's it's funny because when you take a guy who was in amateur wrestling and you put him in that type of platform they try to like erase everything you learn from being an amateur wrestling like don't bend over stand up straight show personality show charisma show your emotions you want to project yourself you don't it's all it's all how your presentation's the biggest thing that they do in, in WWE. So that was something that I had to learn going there. And unfortunately I had a nasty shoulder injury that, you know, I had two surgeries and I ended up getting let go because of it. It was almost like, Okay, well now I'm in the independent scene. I don't have all this pressure from a coach telling me I have to do these things. Now I can kind of reinvent myself and really learn what it means to be a pro wrestler on the independent circuit. And that to me kind of like, like Jordan Grace said, is an art. This part I think is an art because now you can really show what you can do as a pro, as a performer that in an artistic way that allows you to have freedom and you can represent yourself in any kind of way. So in WWE, yes, you are, you're monitored a lot because you have to be, because it's a TV show. They want to see what kind of character you have that they can write for. They can't write for you. Then, there's, there's no use for you. So I think with the blood start, excuse me, the blood sports style, it, it fits me more than I think the WWE style for sure. Oh, right, right, right. Of course, of yeah. course. And when it comes down to, you know, how you were going through the WWE, was there any little piece of advice or was there any little tidbit that, you know, stuck with you or have been sticking with you since leaving the WWE? 
you know, there was so many great coaches and trainers, and it's just kind of unfortunate that I was in developmental when we were at FCW for six months, and, I mean, we had Ricky Dragon Steamboat, Steve Kern, who was Skinner. We had um, a bunch of really good coaches. Lance Storm came in for a couple of weeks. Uh, I had, I think Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was my longest coach when we were in FCW for, like, two months. And I think as far as, and then, like, also, like, Norman Smiley was, I think Norman and, and Dragon are the two that, to me, that, I kind of connected with the most, especially Norman, because Norman is such a purist when it comes to pro wrestling. I mean, he's been all over the world. He lived in Mexico. He's toured in Europe. He he knows how to grapple. But better people than... only know him. But oh, unfortunately, people only know him here in the states as screaming Norman Smiley and the big I, you know, instead of all his. But I mean, he has such a I mean, his catalog the size what he did in so much more extensive than that, you know, and he's talked about it. He's like, yeah, you know, big wiggle. <laughs> you know, none of my technique are utilized. But, you know, he he's a, has a... But that just, still doesn't mean that he was probably one of the most underrated technical wrestlers of all time. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but one, one, the one advice that I, that sticks with me the most, is uh, Steve Kern, who was Skinner, who was the main, he was a, I don't think he was a head coach, but he was one of the, the main people in SCW. And I just remember my first time being there, he, he talked about how important it is to communicate with whoever you're working. And there's a dialogue you can have with somebody to where if something bad happens in a match, you can talk to that person to where you're not pointing fingers and you're not talking shit. You can respect each other and if something bad happens, you can come to the guy and say, hey, man, we had a miscommunication. I think we want to do this, but something else happened. Maybe it was me. I don't know. He he had – that always just stuck with me because you want – you know, you're protecting your opponent when you're working, and you protect your opponent to protect yourself. So I just – that's something that always stuck with what Steve Kern told me at uh, FCW. So you don't – I see, I see. Andrew, can you continue? Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, before I go back to the buzzword questions, just quickly about the SCW um, developmental. Did you happen to also, uh, I know he unfortunately was just released from uh, WWE after so many years, uh, Gerald Briscoe. Uh, did you, yeah. uh, were you under, the, I know he scouted talent up until perhaps like the last day that he was there, I think. Um, I know, uh, did he scout you when he, when he? Yeah, Jerry, um, I met Jerry when I was a sophomore in college. He came to uh, my Pac-12s tournament. Uh, just my coach, one of my college coaches, is a huge WWE fan, and he recognized Jerry from when Jerry was, you know, working there. And he came up. He's like, "Hey, I'm, you know, so and so. You know, who are you looking at?" And he was looking at two other guys instead of me that were seeing because Jerry only talks to guys that are like seniors in college. And then he recruits them to do tryouts and stuff. And the two guys that he were talking to, um, one was like a huge big guy, the other one was just a good athlete that won the tournament. Uh, both weren't really that interested in the trying out, but my college coach said, hey, would you ever want to do something like this? And I said, I would love to. I wasn't a super big fan of pro wrestling, but 
that was an avenue I always thought would be really fun to do and talk to Jerry and introduce myself. You know, he said, hey, in a couple of years, you know, maybe just stay on the course of this and then finish out, get your college degree. Maybe we can try out and see if you like to do WWE. And I just, ever since then, just kind of always kept that in the back of my head. Like, hey, that's an avenue I could go down on. And, uh, I ended up my senior year All-American and tried out. And Jerry was kind of the guy who orchestrated that. Jerry, Jerry, like, as far as dudes that I know, I knew Jerry recruited and got a look. It's like, you have me, you have Tucker Knight, you have Otis, you have Angelo Dawkins. Um, I don't. Th- I think Steve Cutler might have been one of the guys, um, and also like Chad Gable, for instance. So those are all guys that Jerry was able to bring up and get involved with WWE. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about a uh, Bloodsport. Uh, Eric Hammer has re- uh, talked about. Are you familiar with him at all? I mean, you said you did talk to Jr. Kratos. Have you seen? He's an interesting guy because he wrestled only in Japan for maybe a short amount of time, quit pro wrestling, then came back only for Bloodsport. So it's a very interesting career that he's had. Are you, were you familiar at all with him before this match was booked? Are you talking about Eric Hammer? Yes, Eric Hammer. You know, I didn't really, I wasn't totally familiar with Eric Hammer, but we do run in very similar circles. Uh, there's a lot of people that I know from like the MMA community that knows Eric Hammer, and there's a few people that I know from the pro wrestling community that knows Eric Hammer. I mean, he, he trains a lot of MMA guys. He, he's a no-gi champion. He, you know, you can find his stuff on YouTube. I watched a little bit of it. It's funny, my dad actually looked up stuff on Eric to just be like, hey, this guy did this and this, you know, and blah, blah, blah. So I know quite, not a lot about him, but I know, I know enough. I've watched some of his stuff, and he's an impressive guy, and we're not too differ, uh, different in size. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how it's going to pan out between him and I. Mm-hmm. So I, I know Eric Hammer. You know, I mean, I just I, I think he's one of Barnett's dudes, so that, that makes things really interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to ask with your impressions of him, and it uh, sounds like uh, I, sounds like you do have respect for him, and you know that you do you you. Uh, I'm kind of just curious to know, like, how do you prepare also for a guy who's only had one match? In the last, uh, since uh, the last of his match, last match I think was last year or for Bloodsport. I mean, like, how do you how do you prepare for somebody just who is there's so there's there's very little recent stuff of him that to look at and get and see like okay I see he can do that he can't do that can you talk about that um any you know I, I don't really have an opinion on that because I haven't wrestled in seven eight months. So mm-hmm. him and I aren't too different from the last time we've had matches. Uh, you know, hey, for some people, this pro wrestling is like riding a bike, man. You can't really forget. I think he stays consistent. I think he trains a lot, obviously. He, he's in great shape. He, mm-hmm. he stays in, you know, awesome shape. I mean, this is more his style. This is something that he prefers to do. He's done stuff in Japan. He, he's done quite a bit. I mean, he doesn't really need to do a lot of matches, you know, with his, with what he's done. So, I mean, really, I don't, I don't think there is a, a way to train for that. I think it's just, you know, really, you can't think too much about what your opponent's going to do. You have to think more or less what you're going to do. Because if you think about what he's going to do, then you're not focusing on the right things. I got you. So, personally, it's like, you know, 
I'm more or less thinking about the things that I need to do to get ready for this match. He can, you know, Eric Cameron, he can do whatever he wants. You know, like I said, I definitely respect him. Like he's been around for quite a bit. You know, if he, he doesn't need to do a lot of matches. You know, blood. To me, it, it's like I've told people this, where you can do a bunch of these little itty bitty indie shows, and you might not get a whole lot out of it, or you can do a couple really big shows, and you get tons out of it. So that's kind of how I feel about it. You know. Mm-hmm. Now, with your first Bloodsport match, what would you what what is what would you like to do to make your your to put your stamp on your on on your debut? Do you want to finish with a submission? Basically, what he's trying to ask is, what would you probably like to do in your first Bloodsport match to make that good first impression? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of really talented guys. Uh, on this blood sport. I mean, last year's blood sport, man, you had names after names after names. I don't know if this blood sport has that same kind of star power, but I do know there's a lot of big guys in this blood sport. So for me, it's, you know, it's given that platform, the opportunity to really show what I can do. You know, I've never had the chance to wrestle on fight on the fight app or fight TV. So if I do well, I mean, a lot of people, some people know who I am from developmental and all that stuff. Some people know me from, I do the podcast show going in raw. Um, you know, really, I just want to have a great performance. I just want to come out better than coming into it. And just really, I just want to demonstrate what I can do as a pro wrestler more than anything. And if I turn some heads, great. If I don't, then that just gives me something to work on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we actually we have a question from a listener. Well, to be fair, the only Sorry, to be fair, the only big name that's on this card so far is John Moxley and everybody else. They have a name on the independent ranks. Your Killer Kellys, your Baby Boy Smith Juniors, names like that. Yeah, absolutely. We have a question from a listener. Uh, Gentlemen's Combat at Gentlemen's Comba. Uh, this will be an interesting question, I'm, and I'm pro- interested to hear your answer, and so is he. He wants to know exactly how much Volcon have you been watching to prepare for the match. If the answer isn't all I've been doing is watching Volcon matches and training, I'm going to be disappointed. All the Volcon matches. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, so, uh, speak, I'm curious to know, did you ever watch uh, uh, Volcon? For those that don't know, he was a uh, mainstay for companies like Rings, UWF. Really, maybe one, uh, one of the first non-Japanese like, like mixed mixed combat guys who did pro wrestling and MMA. Um, so I'm curious to know, were you? Did you ever watch? Basically, Bokan was basically Bokan was Fedor Emelianenko before Fedor Emelianenko became a household name. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you a fan? Did you ever watch UWFI? or Rings, or Pride, or anything like those uh, promotions, uh, Jock? I definitely, I watched quite a bit of Pride, just because I'm a, I'm a huge MMA guy. So I would watch quite a bit of Pride. I, I love watching. Uh, Fedor was really great back when in his prime. But, you know, to be honest, the guy who I watched more than anything is Gary Albright. Because mm-hmm. Gary Albright used to train with my dad in the 1984 Olympics. So my dad actually was really good buddies with Gary Albright because my dad wrestled in college in the amateur. They both trained with each other for Greco-Roman. So 
that was a guy that I really enjoyed to watch was Gary Albright. And it's funny, when I was in developmental, uh, there one of the guys that used to work there was Rob Naylor. And Rob Naylor came up to me. He goes, hey, mm-hmm. are you familiar with Gary Albright? And at the time, I wasn't too sure. And then I texted my dad, like, hey, do you know who Gary Albright is? He wrestled at Nebraska. He's this Montana guy. Uh, my dad's like, I know Gary Albright. And, you know, just gave me a whole bunch. And it was Gary Albright. It was... Dr. Dusty Williams, who my singlet is kind of based on his singlet that he used to wear, um, is him. So those are the two guys that I would watch quite a bit, and also Terry Van Van Gordy. Um, but yeah, definitely a lot of Gary Albright. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so with this this match at Bloodsport, uh, what 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 is your ideal finish? Do you want to knock out Eric Hammer? Do you want to submit him? What would be your ideal way to finish him off? If I could get a so here's the thing that I've noticed from watching a lot of the blood sport matches, a lot of the guys do a lot of similar submissions. They do the arm bars, they do the rear naked chokes, they do sleeper. Uh, me, I want to kind of utilize. If I was, I would love to hit him with a submission that I used to do. I used to pin guys in college with it. Like I say, what it is because I want to be able to do it in blood sport. So that would be really cool because. I want to do something different that a lot of the other guys would haven't seen. Uh, but to get a knockout with with my finisher, that would be amazing too. I'll take either or, more or less. I just want to show something that maybe not a lot of people have seen before, especially with a guy my size. And I know I can move for how big I am. So more or less, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter what the finish is. You know, it'd be great just to get my arm raised. And that's the goal is just to get my arm raised no matter what, submission or not. Speaking of submissions, I saw on your uh, social media you're training in jiu-jitsu now. Yeah, a little, little jiu-jitsu. Uh, so is this your first time ever training in jiu-jitsu? Um, no. I've been, I, I, this is a cool story. When I was in college, uh, it was me wrestling Chael Sonnen, wrestling, gosh, uh, Matt Lindley. Those two were ganging up on me. When I was in college once. So I'd wrestle Chael. We'd do a little jujitsu. Boom, Chael would tag out. Matt Winland would come in. Matt Winland would try to wrestle with me. They would tag out. Then Chael would come in. I was getting rotated on by those two. And I was, I'd hold, I held my own quite a you know, I was At the time, when I was a college athlete, I could manhandle both of them, especially Winland. So I have, I'm pretty familiar with it. And then I used to go to Team Alpha now in Sacramento and do jujitsu with the guys – over there, like Uriah Faber, I mean, those guys are little, but like, <laughs> I would do practices and train with them, Cody Garbrandt, um, TJ Dillashaw, so some pretty big names in MMA, so yeah, it really, I know quite a bit, I'm not a submission specialist, like, but I can get out of holds pretty well. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, because I was watching the video and you're wearing a gi, I'm trying to guess what gi would actually fit somebody of your size. Is that got to be like an A5 <laughs> or an A6? Pardon? Is that an A5 or an A6 gi? Just because I can't figure out what, what size oh, gi. That was, that was my dad's judo gi that I was wearing. Oh, okay. That explains that. Okay. Yeah, it's my dad's judo gi. Oh, okay. Uh, did you, uh, have you trained judo as well um, at any point? Yes, I've done that too. Um, man, you, you name it, I've done, the only thing I haven't really done is, like, striking. I've done a little bit, but not a whole lot to say I'd be any good at it. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've done judo, jiu-jitsu, greco, freestyle, so 
What uh, would you ever consider going into MMA or maybe even professional grappling, which seems to be uh, like a if if you ever if you had like a few more years to to ke- uh, get up on the field, you know, maybe a submission on the ground, which is run by Chael Sonnen, or does that at all interest you? Or you know, I actually was gonna do a submission underground. One of Chael's buddies called me out, and I thought we were gonna go do it. And Chael and I talked about it on the phone, but it just kind of fell through. I would love to do a submission underground. It'd be really fun. It, more or less, it just have to be me taking on whoever. Hopefully, tire them out. But you know, I don't. I'm. That would be a fun avenue to go on. I mean, we'll see because after Bloodsport, I'm moving to Las Vegas, and I told Chell on the phone, "Hey, when I move to Vegas, if you can give me a chance to, you know, go find an MMA gym that you're familiar with or whatever, and tell them, hey, you have an all-American wrestler who wants to come in and do some grappling." to work with whoever's there, you know, just let them know, and I'm totally down to be there. So, mm. so there's, there's definitely been some talks. Okay, so is, is, are you, I don't know if you want to say it now, but are you considering going to MMA potentially? Or? No, no. I feel like I just want to focus on pro wrestling right now because it's just, it's been the main thing I've been focusing and been doing since 2013. And right now I'm 31, I just I feel like I'm a little past my time to to enter in that avenue, but you know everyone's different. Well, I feel, I, for me right now, I think pro wrestling is just kind of what I want. I was gonna say thing. I was gonna say somebody told Daniel Cormier, "Listen, you're too old to be going to MMA. We want to have a uh, former world heavyweight champion Daniel Cormier, to, sure. Uh, sure. Um, or even or Randy Couture, uh, who won I think sure. at 41. Christian didn't Randy Couture win the uh, champ? Heavyweight championship of 41? Yeah, I think he was 41. Mm-hmm. I think he was 41, man. He started at 44 when I think he beat Tim Sylvia. Yes. Yeah, so. Uh, and so, uh, with your Bloodsport match, what do you hope that fans who maybe are seeing Bloodsport for, for the first time, or you for the first time, what do you hope that they get out of seeing uh, with your Bloodsport match? Yeah, more or less. I just it would be great just to be like, oh shit, who the fuck's this guy? Oh, is this Cal fucking Bishop from Velmental? Oh wow, he looks totally different. He looks like he's gotten so much better. He he looks like an athlete. Or this guy's big. He can move. He knows what he's doing. Just whatever, man. All the above. You know, whether mm. they don't like me or they do like me, I really don't care. As long as I make some kind of an impression that people can kind of relate to or they like that's or dislike i don't really care just make an impression all that i'm trying to do but then you say you brought up something interesting where people are like oh uh cal that's cal uh cal bishop from uh, nxc do you want to kind of uh, would you say that you kind of have shed um your time from nxc and that's kind of because i don't know some wrestlers when they leave wwe they seem to br- just their persona or their i guess time there kind of just follows them others just seem to shed it off very quickly. What do you? In your case, are you? You think you shed off uh, being a former WWE guy, or do you think it's kind of just still follows you? I think it depends because it, it, if there was one of those scenarios where, like, you take someone like C.J. Parker, who's now Juice Robinson, mm-hmm. he was doing that character, and then some people did see him make that huge change when he went to Japan. I think he shed that image. Um, 
but some guys just haven't done it, and then some guys, they made their name with their character. They just kept it as they're in the independent scene. I never got to that status of having a character or persona in NXT just because I had hit with a shoulder injury. So I don't, other than I kept the name Cal, I don't really think I have, I kind of have that issue. The only thing was I got hurt. I was uh, on a show breaking ground. I was unfortunately released on that show. And the only thing that kind of stuck with me on that was uh, the, the man who was in charge of talent relations just said maybe he's just not tough enough to handle this business. That is something that I want to shake because I disagree a hundred percent with that. So that's the only thing from developmental that sticks with me that I want to shake any, anybody else who has an opinion. I really don't care. That's the one thing it's like, are you fucking serious? Not fucking tough enough. You don't fucking know me. That's the one thing that gets me the most. I totally forgot about, I, I remember I did see that, 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 that uh, that breaking ground episode. I totally had forgotten about that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, was that when you saw that, um, uh, or when you heard that? I get um, that had to be a motivation factor. It'd be like just kind of be like, are you you calling this me an NCAA athlete? Not tough. Fuck you. I'm gonna show you that I'm tough. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the world my own. I'm gonna, as, as Scarface said. I, yeah, that was the main reason why I was like, I want to do blood sport because it's the to me it's the toughest. You're gonna put the toughest guys in this, you know, event. So it's like you can't you can't say anyone who did, you know everybody in blood sports a tough son. Don't care what anyone says. Mm-hmm. So it's like I want to do this because I know I can hang, I know I can bang, and this is the best event to show that. So that was one of the main reasons why I was like, put me in fucking blood sport. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll show you how fucking tough I am. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing that always kept that that will forever stick with me. And I'm sure he didn't mean it when he said it that way, but it's just mm-hmm. that's always be there forever. Because it's he said on video, and that's that's there forever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the one thing that 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 stays with me forever. Mm. No oh, oh no, Bloodsport! If you get invited to compete on Bloodsport, like I said before, there it is a not everybody. It's kind of it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like uh, joining uh, the skull skull and bones in Yale. Not everybody gets to join Skull and Bones in Yale. Everybody gets the people who get invited to Blood Sports. Blood Sports they're part of a unique group, a unique family that not awesome. every other indie wrestler can or, or should be a part of, quite honestly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. And um, so I'm just curious to know, I know that the, that whole week there's a, there's a collective going on. Are you going to be uh, wrestling on other, any other shows that week or are you just doing Buzzport as of now? I think I haven't gotten any word or anything. I'm showing up the night before, so I don't think I'm going to be able to do anything else. Which is fine. To be honest, uh, the only thing I kind of just want to do is just blood sport. So no, yeah. I don't. I don't think I'll be doing anything else. That's the only event I'm going to be doing. But it is very cool how I, I really am impressed with GCW and how they've been able to stay active during this whole pandemic. And they have so many really cool events going on that weekend in the fairgrounds in Indianapolis. So, I mean, part of me really wishes I could have came there early just to catch some of the other shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a couple of friends that are performing in the other stuff, so it would be really fun to watch them. But, no, i got to give my I got tip my hat to GCW. It's it's amazing that these guys have been able to stay so active and working during this. And I think the show is also outdoors, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I believe uh, so. Is this your, have you ever wrestled outdoors before? Many, many times. Okay. Yeah. 
many outdoor shows. I've done many flea markets. Uh, I've done plenty of uh, stuff like. But just um, I'm sure it's pretty obvious, but I just want to hear from you. Differences between positive and negative differences between wrestling outdoors and indoors. Uh, that's a good question. So, let's say we're wrestling outdoors, but it's during the summer. It's like a hundred degrees. Uh, the canvas could be whatever kind. If they don't have like a carpet style um, canvas, like let's say they just have like the. Uh, I don't know how to explain it, but let's just say they have a different type of canvas that doesn't exactly do well with heat. I mean, Basically, if it's more tarp than carpet, yeah. then there's a problem. Mm. Then there's a big, big, big problem. That would suck. Um, but really, I, I just, I don't think there's, I mean, really, I don't think there's much of a difference. If you're wrestling, like, for instance, this show starts at 8, so we're going to be outside. Uh, you know, it's going to be, we're probably going to have some kind of spotlight and stuff. I don't think it's going to feel too much different. We're in a dimly lit building with people, you know, so there, I don't really have a, I don't really feel there's too much of a difference. Okay. Because so I was about to say, it, it is October in Indiana. Sometimes it get a little bit hot in Indiana outside, but it's going to be a nighttime October. Should be okay. Shouldn't it be like, I feel like it'd probably be like 60, 60 something degrees. I, I can't imagine Super duper hot. Okay, okay. And uh, has GCW say anything about? Probably gonna get colder because it's in the Midwest after all. It's probably yeah. gonna get colder. Yeah. Has, has GCW said anything about like just any protocols that are gonna be going off for the show? I've heard what they what the for fans. They're gonna have like seats separated, masks and all that stuff. I don't know. Have they said anything to you guys? I don't know. Testing wise or anything of that sort. You know, I'm not sure. I'm just going to assume that, you know, being in California, you know, at the gym I go to work out at and we get our temperature checked, you have to wear a mask and you do have to keep at least six feet distance from whoever. I'm going to assume it's going to be the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been kind of focusing on the protocols they've been making at like AEW and WWE. I assume it's going to be similar to what GCW is going to have us do. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and I'm just curious to know, do you, uh, do you have any other shows coming up after this uh, Bloodsport show? Um, not really, no. This is kind of the only thing. So, it'd be great if I do well enough to get invited to do some other stuff. But the thing is, here in California, they're, they're not going to do any shows, especially in NorCal. So, like, like I said earlier, I'm moving to Las Vegas. Um, after Bloodsport, just because there's more to do in Las Vegas compared to where I live in the Bay Area of California. Mm. So I'm sure there's going to be tons of stuff I'm going to do. There's there's a couple good little pro wrestling schools in Las Vegas. So it's going to be fun to go there, kind of see what they're going to do. And it's cheaper to fly out of Las Vegas than it is NorCal. So if anything comes up, I mean, we'll see. Right now, my only thing I kind of care about is just doing Bloodsport. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, we'll see. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And also cheaper to live in Vegas. It's no funny state tax. Say that it's cheaper to fly. It's funny that you say it's cheaper to fly out of Vegas because that's normally like a tourist trap, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Because they normally get you to pay more and more to go out there. Sure. But it's also cheaper to live in Vegas. I believe they have no state tax, if that's correct. Or no, no income state. tax. No. Um, uh, Christian, do you have any last uh, last questions for our guests before we sign out? 
but it'd be much better to fight it out rather than just, you know, try and embarrass yourself on the microphone. Well, I feel like uh, with Colby, he wasn't getting the attention that he felt he deserved. So him speaking out was a way for him to get noticed. So that's, like I said, it's his preference and his prerogative. And uh, he had a little pro wrestling influence. So mm-hmm. I can't do much more. As Josh Barnett said, pro wrestling is strong or pro wrestling is alive. I forgot the exact quote, but something along those lines. But with that being said, Carl uh, Jack, I want to also give you an opportunity. Oh, I'm sorry, one Christian, go ahead. Thing, Andrew, one more thing I want to add, Mr. Carl Jacks, is that we kind of touched on this earlier. What can people hope to expect out of you and Bloodsport? But, you know, for fans who may have, I mean, for fans who may probably be seeing you for the first time, or for fans who probably don't even know at all about you. What would be the main thing you would say to them in order to get people interested in you in the months and years to come? I'm the only Division One All-American wrestler in the independent scene. I'm the only four-time NCAA qualifier. I'm the only two-time Pac-12 champion, and I am the best ass-kicker in the independent scene. That's what I, they should know. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. fair enough. Oh, yes. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity, uh, uh, Jack, uh, to plug all of your social media. Uh, if you got pro wrestling tea stores uh, where people can book you, uh, anyone you want to give a shout-out to, the floor is yours. Uh, yeah, you can you can check out all my shirts at prowrestlingtees.com slash cowjack, spelled K-A-L-J-A-K. There's no C's in my name because I'm not average. C's are average. Um, you can catch me on Twitter at same thing, KL underscore JK. No scenes. We're not average people. No scenes. And I had an Instagram, but you know what? I deleted that shit. I don't like Instagram. So just follow me on Twitter. Mm. What, why, well, why did you delete Instagram? Uh, what, did you, what did you hate about it? I mean, there's so much stuff to hate about it, but I want to hear what your why. I feel like people use it too much to get instant gratification, and I just don't really care anymore. You know, especially in a time where there's not a whole lot going on except for the world is upside down. So I just kind of got sick of it. Mm. I'm tired of seeing people post TikTok videos on Instagram. So I'm like, I'm done with this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you have any children uh, or if you plan to have any children if you don't. But uh, keep away from the TikTok. That's all. That's all I'll say to that. Trust, I, I, I substitute teach, man. And I see kids doing those stupid dances in the classroom. And I'm just like, stop. No more stupid TikTok. I don't like it. It's dumb. It's not good. I hate it. Uh, I, have a, I have a niece, and I have a niece on the way. I hope to God. I know my sister's not going to put them on TikTok, so they're not going to use that shit. Okay. <laughs> oh, I, the other thing I want to ask is, I know we were talking about talking about it through uh, Facebook Messenger. Uh, for tonight's UFC show, Izzy or Costa, who do you have? Izzy. And why is that? Why do you think Izzy's going to win? Izzy is a counterfighter. Costa is too straightforward. He's durable as hell. But I feel like, depending on how he reacts with the weight cut, he didn't. I think he looks like he shrunk. I, I think they cut out how much. Because he was like 220 at one point, Costa was. He just looks smaller than he has previously. Like, if you look at how he looked against Yoel Romero, he looks so much bigger. Uh, I mean, we'll see with how he looks tonight. 
Um, I'm really curious. But I, I like Izzy. But the thing is, like, you watch Izzy versus Joel. Joel is an old man. He played him. Wasn't going to do shit because he doesn't care. He's already got millions of dollars with that lawsuit. So it's not like he has anything to prove. So Izzy just didn't have a great performance. Uh, I think he favors aggressive guys, man. He's a good counterfighter. So I'm going to say Izzy. Um, you can ask me anybody on, on that whole card. I, I'll have an opinion. Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? Diego Sanchez. Diego. I'm always going to cheer for him. He started the yes movement. Ah, true, 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 true. Uh, actually, I, um, if you do, if you, if it does wind up happening, will you watch Connor versus uh, Pac-Man if it happens? If it happens, I, if. who isn't? Of course, I'm gonna watch it. I would rather see Connor fight. Uh, I'd rather see him take on Mazadal or finish that trilogy with Diaz. But I don't know. I don't think you really. I mean, we'll see. I don't. I don't really. I'd rather see him fight. I don't want because he had such a good outing against Cowboy Cerrone. I mean, Cowboy was pissing down his leg. Yeah. So I'd I'd rather see him. I'd rather I, see him fight. I don't really care for him to box. It, yeah. Uh, and fuck it, since we have you on here, I'm I'm just gonna ask you anyway. Uh, Gaethje versus Khabib. One guy who's an NCAA wrestler who never wrestles versus a guy who was an NCAA wrestler who wrestle who wrestles all the time. What do you think about that matchup? Like, look at T. Woodley. T. Woodley was an all-American wrestler. He has horrible defense against wrestlers. I don't. I've never seen Gaethje have anyone attack him in that sense. Uh, Khabib does. Khabib's a sambo wrestler out of Dagestan. I don't know how that's gonna go. I mean, those guys are different breeds. And actually, I, I was looking at brackets and I saw that one of my college teammates beat Gaethje um, my junior year. So. I thought that was interesting. My teammate Scott Sakaguchi beat Justin Gaethje. Uh, you know, I don't know, man. Uh, Gaethje's got some power, but it, it could. It, that's a real technical fight, you know. But Gaethje looks so damn good against Tony Ferguson, man. Just powered through him. Uh, and Khabib doesn't have a lot of. I feel. I feel like if Gaethje has good defense, and he just, just powers through and just knows how to stop those takedowns because Khabib gets his takedowns off the fence. He'll, he'll, he'll shoot on you. He'll drive you towards the fence. And then that's where he does all his damage. If, um, Gaethje knows how to defend that, he should be fine. Mm, do you think that Gaethje could knock out Khabib? Uh, and one more question. Oh. Huh? Oh, sorry. I was going to ask, do you think that Gaethje has the power to knock out Khabib within three rounds? I don't know how, I, I, I've never, who was it? Khabib fought someone that kind of startled him. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it was Poirier. But I I don't know, man. I've never seen him wobble super bad. So, I mean, we'll see. I don't know. Who knows? KG does have some 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 power in his hands. We'll mm. see. Uh, sorry, Christian. Uh, you were uh, going to ask something? You know what? Come to think of it. One more question I got you. Mentioned TikTok and obviously we mentioned Connor versus Pac-Man, but the one question I do have is, what are your thoughts about, you know, YouTubers trying to, I mean, actually, no, let me go ahead and rephrase that question. What are your thoughts about viral stars, about social media stars looking to get into combat sports just to make a quick payday and just do nothing? 
so to speak. Uh, Guys like Logan Paul and KSI. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, Logan Paul got had more viewership in that boxing fight than um, Canelo and what's his name the next night. So, I mean, shit, dude, we're in the era of Canelo versus Yeah, exactly. So, it really, man, it's it's a popularity contest, and so many kids and people attach themselves to. Logan Paul, the Logan, or the, you know, all those guys. So, hey, you know what? To each his own. Good props to Logan Paul because he did wrestle amateur in Ohio. He took, like, like, he is a state placer. I mean, that's not my avenue. It's not my prerogative. So, I, you know, influencers can do what the hell they want. It's just, that's not really my thing. But I am familiar with it. So, it, it kind of is what it is, man. It's just kind of where we live in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The unfortunate world. The unfortunate world we live in. Okay, finish off. Okay, great. Uh, for all those who want to watch Call uh, Jack take on Eric Hammer at Bloodsport, it'll be available on Fight TV. Uh, it'll be October 11th, uh, 8 p.m. It starts, and uh, yeah, you can download the uh, Fight TV app. That's 8 p.m. Eastern. That's 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, by the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, it'll be, uh, I guess it's also 7 Central for your time, right? No, it's going to be, wait, what time What time is it uh, Central? Yeah. And, um, yeah, it should be Central in, in Indiana. That's so, it. Yeah, should be done. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you can download the Fight TV app or do it through the uh, on your PC, laptop, whatever you got. But it's going to be a great show. Um, I'm really looking forward to the match you're going to have with Eric Hammer. Uh, it's going to be two big guys brawling and trying to choke each other out, I feel like. That's what the match is going to be like. And listen, we don't see a lot of heavyweight uh, guys go for submissions, so I'm really looking forward to this matchup. Should be fun. Oh, yes, yes. And uh, yeah, again, thank you so much, uh, Kyle Jock, for talking to us. We look forward to the match. And yeah, best of luck. Best of luck. We hope to see you more doing more wrestling stuff again uh, the rest of this year. Oh, thank you guys for having me. No problem. No problem. You take care, sir.